Tony. How's it going, big man? Mm, you know me, buddy. <laughs> day by day. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> One of my first projects is I want to lay the groundwork of kind of what we grew up in. It's Sunny Me. Right? Longfellow long Hustlers. Woo! And you're, <laughs> yep, you're darn right. So, uh, Tony, we go way back. 1982, 83. Probably, yeah. years, I think yep. I was three when we moved in. Do you have any memories that young? No. I don't either. <laughs> no. No, I did moving into the empty house, eating McDonald's on the front, front, front room. That's it. At first, TJ, I want to set the scene of just kind of how far back we go. You want oh, to talk yeah. about that? Yeah, I mean, as far as back as I honestly can remember. Mm -hmm. So your parents had a house, what, one, two, three houses down from mm -hmm. my parents growing mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And obviously we came across each other before we could remember, I swear. I, don't, I yeah, really I don't, don't remember. I remember uh, being three-year-old, moving to that house, uh -huh. and then, I mean... After that, we were just all buddies. Yeah. It was it's like, I don't recollect the actual encounter where it's like, nope. this is another kid lives two houses down from me. It will, I don't remember that, but uh, I just remember us always being friends. Mm -hmm. Just literally. Like literally. Like, I don't remember how I learned English, but guess what? <laughs> I speak English. You know what I'm saying? That's true. On that same level. <laughs> That's true. Right. That's true. Uh, we didn't we didn't learn to walk together, but we learned how to ride bikes together <laughs> yeah, and yeah. big wheels and exactly. all hot wheels. <laughs> it just was. So I've been friends with the Kosher twins for 39, 38, 39 years. We're going on 40 years. Our 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 friendship's almost over the hill. Johnny, how's it going, man? Not bad, bud. Not bad. I appreciate you coming down and joining me. It was hard to get Johnny down here. Johnny's like the mystery man. The mystery man of, of, of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, we go way back, wouldn't you say? Yep. What are you thinking? Uh, probably when I was about four. Okay. Would be my guess. Three, yeah? Three or four. Uh-huh. Yeah, How old are you now? I'm 41. Damn. That's the math. Yeah. 38 years. We go way back. Yeah. Um, definitely <laughs> elementary. Uh, I don't honestly remember the first time or exactly how we met. Think of that. If we started hanging out late elementary school, fourth, fifth grade, uh, that would be 19, we're 10, 11, 1988-ish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so that's 30... Three years. Wow. Yeah. And so that's way back. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we grow out of elementary school into middle, then high, then college. We went to the same college. We went to Holy Cross. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I forgot about this. We lived in a mobile home park oh together. My. Yeah. You know, you're in my wedding. I mean, so anyway, just in, in, in setting the tone to the listener, this is some real shit. We go way back, not some fly-by-wind bullshit. That's right. Yeah. Kevin, we go way back. Probably, if I was in sixth or seventh grade, you were in third or fourth grade. And so that's probably how far back we go. So that's got to be 30 years. It's crazy. 30 years. Yeah. Three decades, Kevin. You were younger than us. Yes. 
And so if at any given time, if Jimmy and I were in seventh grade, you were three grade levels lower. So you'd have been in fourth. We're well, high, high school, I was a freshman when you guys were seniors, yep, exactly. right? So. You were always with our group, but you were three grade levels behind. And at the time, I didn't really, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. At the time, I didn't appreciate that that's a big gap when you're only in, in elementary school. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our first ever episode of Memory Mission. I've just had this crazy vision in my head for years to somehow, someway do something like this. Like you heard in the trailer episode introducing the podcast in the first season, at the surface, this is a podcast where I sit down with guests, capture and record fond memories, and then present them to you, the listener, in engaging, fun audio stories. But see, it's so much deeper than that. First, my guests are my longtime close friends and family. Second, the word fond may not be the right adjective to describe the memories that we share. More like memories that leave you with a puzzled face, questioning why would you do that, or what were you thinking. Anyways, again, these are friends that, as you just heard at the beginning of this episode, friends that have spanned decades like the five gentlemen who will be spending time with us during the first season, which is based on the neighborhood that we grew up in, Sunnymead in South Bend, Indiana. We tell and retell all of these stories so many times that I just wanted to be able to capture them, kind of like an oral history. But this oral history won't help historians at IU or at Notre Dame, or it won't help little Billy on his senior research paper unless little Billy is learning about what not to do. But damn it, this is our oral history, and it must be captured and must be shared. I hope that you are entertained. I hope that it brings a smile to your face as it reminds you of a memory that you hold. In this episode, and for the rest of season one, you'll hear the guys you met at the beginning, TJ, Tony, Johnny, Jimmy, and Kevin, a.k.a. K-Bone, share stories of our times growing up in Sunnymead in South Bend, Indiana. You'll hear me say this a lot throughout the episodes, and I will continue to say it. You're not going to hear stories of us boys picking daisies and smiling, selling lemonade to passing motorists. There probably are other things we'd do to the motorists, and sadly, selling lemonade wasn't one of them. The stories that you are going to hear are simply about kids being kids. And now that I think of it 30 years later, it's more like, in the words of Red Foreman from That 70s Show, jackasses being jackasses. On the tracks, the trains, the bike trails, the trees, throwing objects, being chased, chasing people, staging fake fights, bottle rocket wars, and so on. But the stories about us being jackasses as kids are being told today by wonderful fathers, husbands, and friends. Please know that as parents, we definitely do not condone a lot of our behavior as children. But also know as parents, we do want our children to be able to experience even half of what we had as kids growing up. So to get a parent perspective of raising our little badasses in the neighborhood, I invited my father Joel and TJ and Tony's mother Kathy to the studio 
and we had a good time reminiscing about them raising us in the neighborhood. I thank you, Dad, and I thank you, Kathy, for putting up with us. I also thank you for the seriously dozens of times a day you reminded us of what can happen as a direct result of our choices. I just wish we would have listened. But bigger picture thank you. I want to thank you for letting us be kids. I want to thank you for letting us be boys. You let us get our knees dirty. You let us go out and get in trouble. You let us explore. And that, to me, is the biggest gift you can give. I'm up here getting emotional thanking you guys. All I had in my notes were, thank them. Thinking it would take me 30 seconds to thank you. (laughs) It's taken me 20 minutes at least. Because think about it. You guys kicked our asses out the house and said, go. Go. Go climb trees. Go build tree forts. Go play football. Go get dirty. Go ride your bikes. Go down to Superette. Go down to Speedway. Go to the park. Don't go past the red spot. Go to school field. Go watch Adam's football team. Go play Ditchem. Go play Kick the Can. So thank you. Throughout this season of Memory Mission, you are going to hear us talking about a multitude of different locations and places in our neighborhood. You'll hear us talking about the tracks, the islands, the viaducts, the zoo, and so on. I thought it was important for TJ and I to describe some of the geographical features for our listeners. Here is TJ. In order to paint the picture to our our listeners on just the neighborhood at first, I do want to just kind of describe... Uh, some of the geographical features of our neighborhood. And before we start, I just want to describe to the listeners, this isn't a, uh, it's not an urban area with row houses and row houses and no yards. There are green grass, there's yards. Yeah. But it isn't suburban where there's cul-de-sacs and endless subdivisions. Indeed. It's, you know? It's so, a beautiful. It's right. beautiful, actually. I yep. mean, as Go a for kid, it. Describe you it. know, I never, like... I never thought we were rich. No. I never thought we were we poor. We were you know. class. Yeah. But anyway, like the streets were nice. I mean, there were sidewalks. We had, like I said, bike trails that we get into. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the railroad tracks, it's mm-hmm. just something we always knew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you were to take a stroll through the neighborhood, you said the railroad tracks, it juts through the middle of a neighborhood, and, and it's so close to the house that I grew up in, and you're, you grew up in where your folks still live, yeah. you can easily throw a rock left-handed from the house, and you can hit the train. Indeed. Yeah, but it's up on a hill, so it's not—let's uh-huh. paint the picture. There is a—I'd probably say a 15-foot hill mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you got to go up to the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's right there. Also in the neighborhood, we have a zoo. A zoo, yeah. That's it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're, uh, my newest neighbor this summer will be a giraffe. They're yeah. building a giraffe house. Yeah, there's a high school, like literally school. a walk away, an elementary school, which uh-huh. is literally a walk away. Yep. As a young kid, you know, we I walked, walked to both. To both. Uh-huh. The to only both. time that we took a bus was Edison Middle School yep, for two, two years. years. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> That's it. And we walked all the rest of the years. All right. Uh, speaking of the high school, there are 2,000 people there every single day. That's a small town in a city block every day that pours out into our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. We have a park 
Potawatomi Park, a few houses down from here, mm -hmm. which is the same thing. There's several thousand people there, you know, every day in the summer, especially. And that's a small town that pours out into our neighborhood. So this neighborhood is it's just, it's alive. Right. It's definitely alive. And I you think know? as the community view of our neighborhood mm -hmm. is pretty darn good. Throughout this episode and others, we describe stories surrounding the railroad tracks. TJ here describes the thoughts on growing up so close to the tracks, deceitfully close. So as you, somebody be like, man, how could you sleep next to the train going by in the middle right. of the night? And to me, it was soothing. Yep. You know? Yep. And I mean, we would use that as a diversionary tactic to uh -huh. get out of the house late at night. You know, yep. we weren't dumb. We'd wait for that train nope. to come. The windows would rattle. Guess what? The door would rattle too. You know, we'd be out. So, so you're saying you use some of our geographical features to your advantage in yeah. deceit. Oh, yeah. Come in and <laughs> no. out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Smart. But wait until you hear what TJ's mom, Kathy, has to say. You know, TJ, matter of fact, mentioned using the railroad tracks as a diversion to sneak out at night. We just <laughs> talked about you having a sixth sense. I, I think maybe we weren't as smart as we thought we were. Well, no. I mean, footprints on top of the washing machine oh, going out the basement yeah, window. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> leaving the back door unlocked. And now back to TJ describing the tracks and also how we got our affinity for colorful art. So we just described some of the uh, geographical features in our neighborhood, and and you know the, that's asphalt, rocks, trees, bark, whatever. But to me, some of the the things meant more than just the the physical being. You know, uh, one of those is the railroad tracks. Um, they were more than just metal and and spikes and rocks. Oh yeah, do you agree with that? I agree. It was a place you could just get away. Okay, you know, even if you were alone, you could get up there and just walk along and see how far you can make it down mm -hmm. the tracks. Mm -hmm. Go down to the viaduct, which a viaduct, it's like a overpass uh -huh. where a railroad goes over and there was one on each corner of the street Correct. that we grew up on. And the teenagers growing up would all spray paint mm -hmm. and it was like allowed. They didn't like paint over it or no. nothing. It was just A rite of passage for, for Adams yeah. High School. It, it was, was a rite like, of passage. Yeah. Class of 88. Yeah. Class of 87. It was a tradition. Uh -huh. You know, so I mean, I even remember finding paint as a young kid putting yeah. my name. Just like, what up? Kosher. Just boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. Not even trying to hide it. You know, it's like Yep. Every time I did it, my parents like, were not happy. <laughs> yeah. You just put the family name bold. They're not even initials. <laughs> the whole name. Yep. My parents were so proud of me. Here's Joel. You know, speaking of the uh, the railroad tracks we had in our neighborhood, and, and we heavily described it previously with, with the others, but we have two railroad bridges. And... Um, that's where children made their family proud. Children made their family proud by representing the family name and um, spray painting that on the on the bridge. Yep. Did when you saw my name out there for all to see, did that just you just beamed with pride, didn't well, you? I tell you what, this is one of those things where mom and I always felt you gotta pick your battles. Hey, 
if a guy's dumb enough to literally put his name there, that everybody can see it's his name, if the authorities, whoever the train authorities are, it, what can you say? I mean, that's a lot better than breaking windows, you know? But yeah. And you're going to hear a story about a uh, broken window. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> the time i didn't realize it but you're like yeah that's your full name yeah. like yeah what about your initials with, maybe yeah. or just matt e or yeah so you bet. we learned yeah li- that's, that's very true well the one was up for many years the one yes. on, on the sidewalk itself because right? the sidewalk they don't paint over yep ah, yep so okay. you can still see remnants but hardly and that was yeah. you know 30 years ago probably and here's more of tj talking about what the tracks meant to him so you could just walk down there and just look at like the R or people that have, you know, written crazy yep. things up. There. I learned some cuss words. Yeah. And it was just a place to like get away, uh-huh. you know, and then we started as we got older, we explored, explored further and further down the tracks. And, you know, the whole thing is just part of the scene, like part of the setting, like. I, I, it's hard to explain. Like some people grow up in near cornfields, right. and they probably have stories of yep. playing near the cornfields right. and that. But our stories revolved around the railroad tracks. It was a they shortcut did. to school. It uh-huh. was a barrier for kids to play in the middle of a woods on bike trails without a soul around. Yep. Literally forty, yep. fifty feet, and it was it was just accepted. It was mm-hmm. it's it's so surreal how that all went down i look now i was like how cool would that be for my kids to have something like that like i'm going to the bike trails like bet yeah (laughs) like you know you would yeah no care in the world insane and it you know it's insane i mean the railroad tracks were like a yard yeah like oh we're going to play on the tracks yeah (laughs) like we're crossing the like i would never let my kids be doing that honestly but back then it was just like a sense of i don't know it was weird Throughout meeting with the guys, from time to time, we reflected on some of the stories through the lens of a parent. So I asked Kathy if she had any trepidations about living so close to the tracks. And she had the exact same answer as my own father, as you will hear in a future episode, a pathway east or west without being seen. They both were pretty comfortable moving in near the tracks. And a part of moving on Longfellow, the railroad tracks, any trepidations moving in at all? Not at all, because both Tom and I grew up by the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. The house I grew up in, the track was literally across the street. Okay. I mean, literally across the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would go by and the lampshades would shake mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom grew up two blocks away from where I grew up, mm-hmm. and he was about a block and a half away from the railroad tracks. Right. So we've always been by the railroad tracks. Yep. And, you know... You just, you hear it, you get used to it. Correct. It's like people living by the airport. Correct. You know, you think, how can they stand it? Right. But half the times, we don't even hear the trains go by. Yep. You just get used to it. Yep. Here is Jimmy describing that smell of the tracks. If you don't have that smell ingrained in your nostrils, then you just haven't lived. Another geographical feature that a lot of neighborhoods don't have is we have a railroad track slicing diagonally basically right through the neighborhood yes 
to me, the railroad tracks were more than just metal and wood and spikes and everything like that. They they were they just hold a special piece in my memory of our neighborhood. Do you agree? Oh heck yeah! I mean, like I still can just like smell that smell uh-huh. like, just from you know being up up there. You know, this has that unique smell. Oh, <laughs> like tarish. You know, if I. I don't know, get a whiff crossing, mm-hmm. a railroad crossing or something, get a, that smell. It mm-hmm. like kind of reminds you back then a little bit, mm-hmm. to be honest. <laughs> we we used the tracks in, in for everything. Oh, yeah. Did some crazy things up there. and We, <laughs> even something as fun as sledding. I mean, you know, shit. Right? Yeah. Down some rough paths. Uh-huh. Down the side. <laughs> yep. Next. I share a story of my own son and his buddy wanting me to walk them on the tracks. And as you'll hear, my skills as a track tour guide are a bit different than they would have been as a kid. I don't see people on the tracks near as much anymore. No. Yeah, they. I think they've really cracked down on that, you know. The- <laughs> well, if, did I tell you the story about me and Aiden and Nikki this summer? I don't well, know. Well, dad of the year here. So it was summertime. Aiden and Nikki were begging to walk on the tracks. And so they don't know the extent of our experience on right. the tracks, right? right? So they're begging to go. I said, okay, fine. So we go down to Green Lawn down here and we start the trek west. And of course, I'm getting all nostalgic in my head because from the street view, you it's just different than the track view. You never see the track view. Right. It'd be like floating down the river. You're not used to that vantage point yeah so again that's all coming back to me and then looking at the backs of all you know the dales home the swinging dwarfs koshers bentley's and my old house you know so that's all coming back to me as i'm walking down the tracks but i'm also in dad mode in that i'm constantly looking i'm constantly turning back when i was a kid i never had that like right I guess I was a wee bit more carefree then. And yeah. so, but as a dad, here I am thinking about those days, but still <laughs> trying to be in the moment and be safe. So we get down to the uh, sunny side viaduct and we're kind of looking over and just hanging out. And um, I did, I think I found something that TJ had written. Oh, wow. Whatever, 25, 30 years ago on there up up top. On the inside. Uh-huh. Of the, yeah. Yep. So, and then. I think I found that, maybe a few other things that I recognized, but then we kept walking west towards Farmer's Market. Yeah. But we just, I told the boys we're not going over the Avenue Bridge. Yeah, yeah. We're stopping there because you get, even at at that point, walking down, it's steep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where we we would just, yes. Oh, yeah, it gets a lot. Yeah. Oh, dude. A lot bigger. Yes. Yeah. And I, as a kid. Closer to the river. Yep. It's higher. But as a kid, we used to dart down those hills. Yeah. Dude, I couldn't have done it now. I would have broke my ankle, my hip. Right. (laughs) So we get to the avenue down near the storefronts on Mishawaka Avenue. And there was a a house there. And a woman and a daughter are in the back uh, right by the foot of the hill. And they are, I think, raking or doing yard work or something. And she yells up at me, the the woman, the mom. I don't know. Few, few years older than, I don't know, 10 years older than us. She's like, sir, sir. I'm like, yes, ma'am. She goes, do you know those are live tracks? Those are live tracks. <laughs> and so then I thought of if that was the Matt Emery from 25, 30 years ago, I would have been like, yeah. I'm right. These are live tracks. 
No, I would have definitely said that. But no, with uh, Aiden and Nikki there, I was like, oh, thanks, ma'am. I appreciate it. I do. Thank you. You know, that, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Old Johnny Dale, Johnny Ringo. Talking about the tracks. As, you know, we got the train <clears throat> tracks running through mm-hmm. the back. Mm-hmm. And that's that one's always surprised people mm-hmm. with, how, with how much we used to do up there. <laughs> I mean, we were up there every day. <laughs> like our know? backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know how your mother was about it, but mine was always a bit sketchy. Yep. If we were up on the tracks mm-hmm. where dad was like, you guys know what to do and mm-hmm. what not to do. Mm-hmm. Don't get hit by a train. Yeah. He said, don't get hit by yep. a train. Don't break stuff. Yeah, thinking of the tracks, what are some activities that we would do up there? Well, that's, the tracks had like their own life. Okay. Because we knew where to go. We knew where you get down, go up. Mm-hmm. And that's when we had bottle rocket wars. <laughs> Be a couple people up on the tracks and we're throwing them down in the yard. And there's flying by our heads up on the tracks and and of course, Kathy remembers the bottle rocket wars, tossing them back and forth, and of course, a fire ensued. The side of the train bank felt the wrath. Matter of fact, a whole future episode is based on fire. Fire, fire, fire. The the bottle rocket yes. fights yes. across the railroad tracks uh-huh. back and forth. You guys had so much fun with yep. that. Until you caught the bank on fire. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, things that as an adult, we look at every day like, oh, that's a tree, those are branches, those are leaves. That's just a little wooded area there, out of the way, between the tracks and two alleys. But for us, that wooded area was the woods. And that's a proper noun, with a capital T and a capital W. Within the woods were what we call the bike trails, and that's also a proper noun. The bike trails were basically a carved out circular path. This carved out path was in the middle of the woods. On the path were ramps, divots, holes, and other random obstacles. We would cruise up there on our bikes, zip around the bike trails, and best believe we were way too rad to wear helmets. Here's Jimmy describing some of his memories of the bike trails. There are many books and there's many movies written about like magical childhood places. And so, when I think of a magical childhood place in our neighborhood, it was the bike trails. Yes. Yep. And to me, that was kind of like our yeah. our thing, you know. And Jimmy, you were a key player, a key architect. Talk to me about the bike trails. <laughs> well, it was a key little sanctuary, I'd say, for mm-hmm. us. I mean, you know, if you're bored or something, you would just ride your bike back there. You know, it was, well, basically it was, you know, little section of uninhabited woods in the behind the tracks that just right. nobody you know used or anything mm-hmm. so there was a trail we had made for bikes with like little ramps and stuff and how'd you make the ramps um i can't remember if, if there was a shovel back there or how we'd managed to do that but you know we had big dirt ramps uh-huh. and uh i remember one time we even put a somehow got a mattress or something that was in the alley i think and <laughs> put it as a landing i mean we did all kinds of crazy things to the to the ramps on it but uh we buried uh, logs yeah yeah the ramps. that's right yes and then uh yeah just all the kids from the neighborhood mm-hmm. randomly 
you'd come back and there'd be something maybe different made back mm-hmm. there. <laughs> I forgot about that too. <laughs> somebody would edit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'd leave and we'd come back and be pissed off that yeah. somebody f with our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but no telling how many different people from the area would come back there. <laughs> and you know, last night I was reflecting, I was thinking about that because if if somebody who grew up in our neighborhood hears this, I'm curious as to if the bike trails were there before us, if we carried the torch right? for yeah, somebody. That's true. Definitely reach out if you were one of the rad ones who participated in the bike trails. I'm definitely curious to know their origins. You can email me at memorymission at gmail.com or message me at Twitter at memorymission. Or just catch me as I'm strolling through the fine streets of our neighborhood. Here's TJ describing the bike trails a bit, but then he mentioned the total seclusion from adults. And the more that I thought about it, there honestly were not any parents back there at all, almost like they were banned. I asked Kathy, and then I asked my dad about their experiences with the bike trails, to which they both answered, none. Like it's in the middle of a straight up suburban city, mm-hmm. but there was a like city block worth of woods, mm-hmm. which on one end just had one. Well, so let's say it's a triangle. Basically, mm-hmm. you got train tracks on the one angle, and then you got an alley on both sides. So total seclusion away from adults. Yeah, it's like a city block with some streets that were at angles. Yeah and a railroad track that's at an angle. And so somehow it captured a triangle swath of land that was never developed. Never. To describe it to somebody who hasn't experienced it, I mean, it was like this little wooded oasis in the middle of a a fucking city. It was a beautiful thing. Yep. Then speaking of the tracks on the other side of our tracks, uh, we had something that adults were banned from. The bike trails, even though in the in the in the island there, yeah, where Miller's house yeah. is at now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we thought adult. We tried to say adults were banned from there. Um, so you might not have come back too much. But I never was back there. We never remembered any adults back there. But did you remember hearing anything about the bike trails at all? Or not really? Isn't that crazy? They. It's like your thing. I know. It's <laughs> nuts. Like, you know, Jimmy, TJ, Tony. I mean, just the 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 look in their eyes when they were describing it, it was like like a magic kingdom. And when we talk about it, you'll hear you'll hear it in their voices. Like it's the neatest thing. And then we were talking about parents, and we never had n- never was an adult back there. And it was just amazing. You know, it was just an, it was yeah, cool. I, I never went back there. Yeah. Bike trails. Adults were banned. Well, most of the adults (laughs) that I knew, which was all the your buddy's parents, we wouldn't be caught dead doing that. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't. You know, we were adults raising the kids that did the bike trails. Um, I wasn't back in the bike trails very much. I'm sure Mr. Mr. Kinney probably was. I doubt it. Well, okay, yeah, I doubt it. So that's what I was. We had you know, adults were banned from the bike trails, but. From what you heard or what you might have saw of them, what uh, what are your thoughts? You know, I don't have that many memories of okay. the bike trails, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Man, it was truly an unbelievable feeling the first time that I discovered the bike trails were no longer. Literally crossed the tracks, 
probably a couple hundred times heading towards different places. And a lot of those times was towards the bike trails. And one of those days, crossed the tracks, went to the bike trails, literally bulldozers plowing over trees. Crazy. Jimmy and I talk about it here. The bike trails, they unfortunately, um, the magical kingdom came to an end. Do you remember the day that you found out or do you remember anything that kind of went through your head when you found out what happened? I just remember that was the Miller's house uh-huh. or that they had bought that property. Mm-hmm. And it was the house that was on Adam's property. Correct. They moved it all the Correct. way back there. That was crazy. I remember watching that. Yep. They physically moved the home. It was where yeah. the tennis courts are now on Greenlawn, where Greenlawn dead ends yeah. and wall. That's where it was located because Greenlawn went all the way through mm-hmm. and they pulled it. The Adams football team was in the newspaper for oh, pulling the okay. house. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. But yeah, I just remember crossing remember the tracks and there were bulldozers where the bike trails were at. Huh. And it was the the most surreal feeling ever because you're anticipating going to the bike trails, the right. woods to hang out, and there are bulldozers knocking trees over. We were like, what in the hell? I don't remember... Man, that, when was that? Did you like what probably grade? we were probably f- freshman or eighth grade, <laughs> eighth grade to freshman. Yeah, that's, and, that's about right. Yeah. And we, you know, we prime age where that bike trails was just our little oasis. Yeah. You know, if we didn't have licenses yet, right. we, we were mobile, and we'll, we'll talk about that later as far as <laughs> running the streets. But uh, we were we were mobile, but we weren't, you know. Yeah. Going, going oh, it was just the bike right. trails. So that was like an end of an era, you know. They built, put, moved the house back there, and the house still stands. Yeah. We wouldn't do the bike trails or the woods any justice if we didn't mention the select fortunate trees that were blessed enough to have its branches graced with a custom-built Timmy Kenny tree fort. The guys at the builder store probably thought Timmy was a young prodigy contractor building new housing in Sunnymead with the amount of time and money that he spent there purchasing supplies for his grand vision, his three-story tree fort. I do want to thank the Builder Store for putting up with us coming in and out, buying one five-cent bolt at a time. But more importantly, I definitely want to extend a thank you for being such an institution in our neighborhood. The service you've provided us over the years, quite honestly and simply, is just hard to find in today's world. So I know other residents of our neighborhood will join me in thanking you for your service over the years. Next, you'll hear Jimmy describe Timmy's giant tree fort and how scary it can be to place your life in the craftsmanship of a tree fort that was 50 feet in the air, designed, crafted, and built by a 12-year-old and his construction interns, us. And then, speaking of the bike trails in the woods, we call them the woods. Yeah. Let's go to the woods. Yeah. Speaking of that, there were, okay, Frank Lord Frank Lloyd Wright is a famous architect, okay? This dude could not design tree houses as good as Timmy Kenny could. Oh, yeah. Do you have any remembrance of a Timmy Kenny tree house at all? Or if not, what, what, what oh, do you yeah, think would yeah. pop in your head? Oh, uh, there were several back there. They were, uh, 
don't know. From what I remember, I mean, I know he was uh, good at building, but I was still a little bit nervous on some of the stuff he built, I think. But, and it was pretty high up there, some of it, man. <laughs> Timmy didn't believe in doing it half-assed. Yeah. yeah. I don't even, I don't remember, but I think getting up and down it seemed to be pretty treacherous from what I remember, too. <laughs> uh, if I remember, he just nailed little planks, planks the on tree. the trunk of the tree yeah so th that was one method i think another <laughs> method might have been there was a hanging rope and you kind of did yeah. that um or there was a like a, a system of ladders like there might have been platform on you know the bottom half of the tree a platform i don't i don't know yeah um but they were very extensive you know tree forts old timmy <laughs> It can definitely be scary as all get out, being up that high, hearing the wind whistling, the branches creaking. But as you'll hear TJ describe, the tree forts also gave us a sense of freedom. You'll hear him sharing a story about how one day he got into it with his parents and then headed towards one of the tree forts. And since he is a lifelong candy aficionado, guru, and consumer himself, he is able to remember the exact brand name and flavor of candy he bought that day. 30 years ago. Yeah, we get a shout out to Timmy Kenny. Timmy Kenny. Timmy Kenny. He was always ahead of his time when it came to engineering, be it infrastructure, Genius. electrical, video games in my backyard. You know, speaking of Timmy <laughs> and Timmy and the bike trails. Yeah. It wasn't just on the ground. No. If you looked up, there Ooh. were some triple story tree houses man I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story one time i got in trouble for some shit i can't remember <laughs> and i was like fuck it i got like five dollars in my pocket i'm i'm taking off for the day you know screw the parents i'm out of here and i was like what can i do i was like you know what i'm gonna go to speedway yep. our local um convenience store mm -hmm. we would get candy but that day i had five dollars so i was like i'm gonna go get like four or five dollars worth of candy and i'm just gonna go chill at the treehouse mm -hmm. and this is probably about a couple months after or maybe not even that long after he like built that one way up and it was just like <laughs> unbelievable and i was like man Alice. i'm gonna risk my life getting up here but while i'm up here ain't nobody finding me that's no, for sure oh no and i get up there man i remember i had wacky wafers i don't know if you remember that candy man the banana <laughs> ones were the best dude but uh i sat up there for probably two hours three hours like yeah yep, motherfuckers yep. i'm independent i'm yep. chilling up in this tree house by myself eating my candy parents can't <laughs> tell me nothing i was probably i don't know 11 10 right but it it was independence, dude. Timmy Kenny yeah. gave me that independence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Timmy Kenny and the bike trails. Indeed. Think of that. It was, it was literally you can throw a rock from your house over the tracks to the bike trails, mm -hmm. but it was a world away. A, and it was so weird because you never saw an adult. Nope. There was no. never. I mean, we ran across the older kids maybe once in a while, yeah. but but not really. Though. No. Thank you for spending your valuable time listening to the first ever episode of Memory Mission. I truly hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please be so kind to share with a friend. Stay tuned for more future episodes and be prepared to have a puzzled look on your face as you question our sanity. I leave you with an exchange that TJ and I had. He had just turned 42 the day we recorded, and he was saying how it seemed like yesterday that he turned 21, and now he's 42 which is 21 twice. I then shared a story of one of the reasons why I wanted to create this podcast. 
I thank you again for listening. That's crazy. I turned 21 for the second time yesterday. Think about it. 42. Yeah, you did. 21. So when I was 21, the night I turned 21, I was sitting there thinking, the night I turned 21 is the same. You know what I'm saying? The first time I turned 20 was the same amount of time that from that time I was sitting in that bar with Nick Sayre to now. And that just doesn't seem possible at all. Nope. And and TJ, that is truly the reason I'm doing this podcast. Right. I had a, a moment like that. Uh, I was doing a video for my family for Christmas gifts, or for right. as a Christmas gift, I was doing a video for my family, and not right. just my immediate family, but the whole Geyer clan. Right. L, Katie, you know, you know all. Yep. Them. Yep. And so I I went and I got pictures from way back, from way back in the day, mm-hmm. and. Of course, I'm seeing pictures of all of us when we were children, and I kept seeing me, and I'm like, I'm 43, 42, but I'm like, I'm still that little boy. Like, that's me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's that's me. Like, I don't feel any different than that little boy, but then in my head, I'm thinking, dude, that was 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and look how fast that 30 years went. The next 30 is going to go even faster. So I got to capture some of our memories, man. And so that's why I'm doing this. I always felt this had to be done, though. Like subconsciously, Mm -hmm. it's weird. Yep. I was like, man, if anything has to be documented, it's it's our childhood. Yep. 